This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. It's Election Day. Good morning, Liz. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot going on today in our state, and uh, it's it's going to be an exciting day, I think, for the country. Um, I know a lot of people are nervous, but uh, we'll get through this. We really will. One way to not be nervous is to be prepared. And so to see a sample ballot for your street address, go to yallvote.ms. Really easy to remember, yallvote.ms. This will take you to the Mississippi Secretary of State's webpage. You can scroll down to the polling place locator and you type in your address. Then your address pops up along with your polling place. Lots of polling places have changed, so you need to find out if your polling place has changed. It'll have your circuit clerk's name and phone number, and then below that is what is on your ballot. Now, everybody's going to vote for president and senator. Your ballot is different from my ballot in that you have your U.S. representative, your election commissioner, and your Supreme Court justice races listed. And that's just the people issues. Uh, Professor Gershon, what are some of the non-people issues on the ballot today? Well, we taught, we had uh, a show a few weeks ago um, involving initiatives 65 and 65A, uh, which are ballot initiatives to um, potentially legalize medical marijuana. Uh, and so, you know, there's you have a choice to vote for option 65A, uh, 65, or 65 itself, 65A, um, and then uh, to vote that you you don't want medical marijuana. All those are options on the ballot. The other thing is the flag uh, to uh, finalize the vote on the flag that was recommended by the commission, uh, you know, to replace the old flag. And then there's a ballot initiative that deals with um, the election of the governor. Uh, we've had kind of an archaic system that came out of post-Reconstruction uh, that really, um, almost a quasi-electoral college kind of thing, where the uh, the voters' majority didn't necessarily uh, elect the governor of the state, but that would change. And that's a bipartisan initiative. The lieutenant governor uh, spoke in favor of it uh, when he was on our show. Um, A lot of people on both sides of the aisle are in favor of that change, which I think has been a long time coming. So I'm not not, that's my personal opinion. That's not MVP's opinion. But I do think there's a lot of support uh, for that particular initiative. And so there's a lot going on. Some of these issues might be a little confusing to people. One of the things with the flag issue, I have a friend and. She doesn't like the in God we trust bit on the flag. Um, So on the ballot for today, 
is, or if you've already previously voted, it's a color picture of a flag. And if you want that to be the flag for Mississippi, then you just vote for that flag. If you don't want that to be the flag for Mississippi, then you vote against that flag. My friend doesn't like the in God we trust part, but I don't want to say that would take an act of Congress, but it would take an act of legislature to get that removed. So uh, if you if folks don't like this flag, then they're going to start all over again with a committee to pick a new flag out of 3000 submissions. And then you will vote if you want that flag or not. But, you know, unless the legislature all gets back together and agrees to remove In God We Trust, uh, that seems like that one's going to be on there. I think you're probably right. You know, if we, if we had a, I, I have my own personal opinions about that that I won't, I won't share. Uh, you know, the, the fact is, um, you know, that is on money. It is the... Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it is on the state seal, and, and I think, you know, that's a that's a conversation we can have another day about whether that's that's appropriate or not. Um, but you know, I certainly think that uh, for the for most people in the state, this is a positive change to move forward away from the old uh, the old Confederate flag. So, you know, it's a it's a start, and uh, and that's that that for any progress I think is good progress. But that's just me again, not MPV. Well, so we need on the flag issue, we need to remind folks that if you vote yes, that is the flag you are going to get. If you vote no, that means you do not want that particular flag, but the in God we trust part is probably going to stay on it. So if there's another flag presented to vote uh, next year, next time, then it's going to have in God we trust on it. So I think that's one you're going to have to accept and you just decide if you want this Magnolia flag or not. You know, we, uh, we, we are looking at a situation really of political compromise, honestly, and that is how uh, I think our legislature was able to move on from the Confederate flag. I think it would have been much harder without that motto on the flag. Um, you know, so uh, that's, I think, you know, anytime there's political compromise, at the best political compromise, nobody's completely happy, right? So I think that's probably where we are. Exactly, exactly. Today, we want to hear your stories about voting. What were the lines like out at the polls today? Do you remember the first time you voted? Do you have a story about that? We'd love to hear anecdotal information from today or from 50 years ago, or if you have a friend who, or a grandmama or somebody who voted 60 years ago, you know, we, we're going to have a lovely election day chat today. The second confusing thing on the ballot today is this uh, medical marijuana initiative. We have a picture of the section of the ballot on our podcast from October 6th. And so the first choice you get is to vote for approval of either or against both. So if you think medical marijuana is okay, 
then you vote for approval. If you are absolutely against mer medical marijuana, you vote against both. But wait, there's more. You also get to vote for one. So you can vote for Measure 65, or you can vote for Alternative Measure 65A. I think a number of individuals who do not want medical marijuana but understand a lot of people might, so they are suggesting you vote against both, but then for 65A, and then the grassroots initiative is the 65, and so uh, I think that uh, thinking was the legislature is never going to approve this, so we'll have to do it ourselves. So they would like you to vote for 65 or vote for both and then vote for 65. But on this uh, initiative for the medical marijuana, you have two things to vote. And whether you vote for approval of either or you vote against both, you still have that second vote that you can go into. Yes, and Liz, just in context, there are 38, we would be the 38, I should say, state to approve medical marijuana should this pass. So, you know, other states have, have done this uh, in the past. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's an interesting issue. Uh, make sure you're informed. Uh, you still have time to listen to the podcast of our show where we had uh, arguments on both sides of that issue, and you can decide which one uh, is more compelling. All right, and we have a phone call. Let's go to Timothy in Louisiana. Timothy, we're so glad when you call in to MPB. What are you, it's on your mind today? Well, I just remember my mother, Anita, who, when I was just a child, made us make signs that we went down to the county courthouse in Texas and protested the poll tax, you know, that was keeping poor people from voting, you know. And so that was one of my first memories of, of organized political acts as a child, you know. And, you know, um, I got to tell you this. When I came, I went out to California to take care of my brother uh, who was dying of HIV AIDS. It took a while to do that. And it took him a while to do that because we got medical marijuana out there and, it, and he was able to hold his meds down. And he went along swimmingly for years until all of a sudden he just collapsed, you know. But, I mean, he, he went for, I was having to lift him up and carry him and put him in the bathtub, you know. And he was six foot seven, weighed 140 pounds. Oh, my and, goodness. We got him on, I got him weed. It wasn't legal then. Uh, my mother told me, go get some marijuana for your brother. His nurse says it'll help. So I did. And... and he started to keep his meds down. He ran a half marathon a year later. So it can it can really do miracles in the right circumstances. Well, and um, so I'm hoping that, um, you know, y'all pass it over there because I'm sure there's people who need it, you know. Timothy, what's the m marijuana issues in uh, Louisiana? What does your state have? Oh, you know, it's kind of peculiar because we were the first state to legalize medical marijuana, but they did it in such a way that it couldn't be done. 
You know, in California, we got the initiative that said your doctor may suggest, okay? In Louisiana, we had it, your doctor may prescribe. It's, marijuana is listed as a class one narcotic, you know? And so it couldn't be prescribed. But, you know, in California, we got around that by saying the doctor may suggest. And um, uh, it was really critical. I, I saw lots of people in the AIDS community come back from near death just because they could keep their medications down because it, the marijuana helped their stomach and their queasiness, you know. Well, Timothy, we're glad that you shared your memory, uh, especially of uh, of take be, having little kids learn about voting. And uh, we hope the statute of limitations and you have run out and you haven't incriminated yourself. <laughs> we're discussing. We're not arguing. We're discussing uh, elections. Of what are your rights on election day? I'm going to tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. healthy and fit you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active i'm dr josie bidwell host of southern remedy healthy and fit and associate professor of preventive medicine at the university of mississippi medical center listen to the show every monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for southern remedy with your preferred podcasting app is in legal terms not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live if you've missed any of our program you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org it's also available on the mpb public media app as are all our local shows i'm liz gill here with professor richard gershon from the university of mississippi school of law so professor gershon let's go with uh what are the poll times today well in mississippi they are seven to seven so you know that you still got the time i've been looking at i've been looking at my twitter twitter feed and uh, a lot of people in Mississippi are talking about the long lines, uh, which I think, you know, given the fact that we complained about low voter, voter turnout in previous shows, uh, it's a good sign that people are getting engaged. I just uh, please wear a please wear a face covering. You're not required to, but please wear, wear a face covering. That's right. I've uh, made sure I downloaded a book on my Kindle app. I'm going to stuff some uh, crackers in a water bottle in my pocket. I may even take a stadium chair um, because remember when you the polls close at seven tonight. But if you are in line, stay in line. You have the right to vote if you're in line at 7 p.m., even if it takes to midnight or whatever. So stay in line. 
Another thing to remember is if you make a mistake on your ballot, where I vote, we get um, pieces of paper and you take a pen and you scratch in who you're going to vote for and then they scan it. But if you make a mistake on your ballot, ask for a new one. Just ask for a new ballot. And then also, if the machines are down at your polling place, ask for a paper ballot. If you don't already have a paper one, ask for a paper ballot. There is an election hotline. It's 1-866-OUR-VOTE. That's 1-866-OUR-VOTE. If you have questions about your rights or if you have trouble voting, this morning we're talking about voting. We'd love to hear your voting stories. I have a voting story that happened yesterday, and this has a this is a tale with a moral at the end. Yesterday I saw on Facebook, you know, posted three minutes ago in the neighborhood in my neighborhood Facebook page. It said uh, there was a sign that said, "This is not a polling place." It's moved. Wear a mask. And that's all it said. And I kind of went bananas, and everybody else in my neighborhood kind of went bananas. It turns out that a polling place just up the street from my house, because of COVID, it was a church, and they didn't want people voting there. They moved that voting station to the school where I vote, which is down the down the street the other direction so they just put the sign in the wrong place but we're all voter suppression this is dirty tricks and people spending money trying to sabotage our vote now i'm not saying that's not going to happen but uh you know i think we need to Calm down. Calm. Everybody needs to be calm today. Calm down. If you run into a problem, it could just be a stupid mistake. It might not be malicious. So, you know, calm down. Try to be reasonable if there is an issue and bring it to someone's attention. Maybe it is a harmless thing. But also, you know, just keep your eyes open in case something is hinky going on. You know, um, social media is interesting that way. I, I uh, my wife and I have a, a neighbor, a former neighbor, because we've moved, but um, whose political and religious beliefs were really totally the opposite of ours. And, and he would say things on Facebook that made us cringe a little bit, even though we really like him. We know him personally, and he's, he's really a good guy. But he said something that made us both feel better, and that we all ought to think about this. He said, uh, whoever wins, whether my candidate wins or loses, tomorrow I'll still be a good person and go to work. And, you know, and I think that's how we have to not let this be, you know, something that is going to tear us apart even more. Uh, so whatever the outcome. That's right. Uh, one of my favorite movie lines is, everybody needs to calm down and eat some fruit. Let's go to the calls and go to Alvin, who's called in from Hattiesburg. Alvin, thank you so much for being part of In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Good morning. How are you all doing? Glad that you are with us. Yes. yes. Well, I absolutely voted earlier, but 
the citizens of Forest County have an issue on the ballot that I guess it's going to be controversial, but we it's there to for the citizens of Hattiesburg. Well, not all Hattiesburg, but the old one that lives in Forest County to vote on is whether or not to remove the Confederate statue at the courthouse. Okay. Uh, thank you for letting us know about that. That you know, that's an interesting thing, and and y'all are getting to vote on that. Yes, we are. All right, we appreciate you sharing that with us, Alvin. Thank you, ma'am. All right, let's go to Greg, who has called in from Columbus. Greg, we're so glad that you're part of In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Oh, I was just going to share with you my uh, voting story this morning. I voted in Lowndes County, and there was a line of folks, you know, before it opened up, but it quickly uh, was dealt with. And then my wife went to vote later on, and she's like, it was only like a five-minute wait. And so uh, it was seamless. Um, you just basically went in. There wasn't any games or anything like that. Of course, there were some poll watchers, I guess, silently standing by, but uh, <clears throat> I don't see how it could go wrong. Everybody that was working there um, – at the poll over there by Lowe's, uh, was just doing a, a fantastic job. Everyone that volunteered to work there were happy, and and so uh, I confidently cast my vote, and so was everybody else, and I thought that was pretty good. But I would like to say, you know, as far as, like, IDs and everything, to fly in an airplane coming up, as you know, <clears throat> folks are going to have to have to have that real ID, you know, with a computer chip on it, I guess. I'm not sure. But the thing is, um, I think that should be for everybody. And what I don't understand is when somebody dies, whether it's in Mississippi or any other state, why does that person still stay on the, uh, the voting rolls out there? Um, why does not the Bureau of Statistics or whatever you call it, why don't they just send out a mass um, list to you know voting uh, county voting offices? you know, monthly or something to have the dead people removed from the uh, uh, the ballot list or uh, polling list or whatever. And uh, But anyways, uh, thank i wait for the professor to comment on that last com- question, but thank you for taking my call and I hope you guys have a nice day. Uh, thank you. Uh, Greg, we appreciate you calling in from Columbus. Yeah, Greg, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I think they try. I really do. You know, that's all, there are a lot of people, and it's hard to keep track of all that information. I think it's getting easier because of computerization. Uh, it made it made uh, voting registration much easier and renewing a license and getting changing your address much easier because of technology. So, yeah, I think that's coming. But I, on the um, conversely, something that really kind of bothers me, and I, and I, I want to, I would love to hear what people think about this. Is uh, I heard a story that a woman voted uh, early. Um, because she was sick, and then she died, and then her state is not going to count her vote because she died before the actual election day, even though she voted while she was still alive, obviously. So that one, I, I don't really understand that. I mean, I, I, I am not sure why that person's vote would not count, you know, if they were alive when they voted, simply because they weren't alive at uh, on election day. And I think that's just, that varies from state to state. But, you know, what if that person has uh, a family that she cares about their future, even though she's not going to be here uh, to, to see the results of that election? So, I mean, there are a lot of things we need to work out. And, and you know, death and dying is one of them and how that impacts our voting rolls. Obviously, uh, deceased people should not be allowed to vote. Uh, that would be called voter fraud or something supernatural. 
But, um, you know, in terms of uh, clearing out the rolls, I, I really think they try to do a good job. I mean, I, I think I know our, our voter registration process in Mississippi has improved tremendously over the years. Well, and I understand Max, we have a call on it. We do. But, you know, first, when we had our election commissioner on the show two weeks ago, you know, that's one of the things that is their responsibility is to clean out voter rolls. And I, I believe there is a process for uh, an individual to submit a, you know, probably at, I think it's an affidavit or something that says someone has died. But, you know, that's, uh, I guess, you know, one, one department doesn't talk to another department to get the, the list of people who had death certificates to, uh, to the, get off of the voter rolls. That, that does seem like a, an easy thing that could happen. And Greg did mention about the real IDs. We want to remind folks that it was supposed to be this past October that the real IDs were to take effect, but because of the pandemic, they pushed it back to 2021. But if you're interested in hearing our podcast on that, we did that on October 22nd of 2019. We did a real ID podcast where Professor Gershon and I talked about what that was. Before we get to Larry, hang on, Larry, we're going to take our last, our next break. We are talking about the election in a coming up backstage civil way. And we've got some more voting rights in Mississippi to share. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Taff, co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Podcasts can be found on our website or on your smart device's podcasting platform. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you subscribe to our podcast, lots of different podcasting platforms. I happen to use Podcast Addict. My husband's a Stitcher person. You download it to your phone, touch the plus that takes you to a page to search for podcasts, type in in legal terms in the search area. That'll bring up our show. You can touch the subscribe, and then you're notified when any new episodes are loaded up. This morning, we want to hear about your election stories. We want to hear about your waiting in line for to vote stories. But we also want to tell you some of your rights. No one may refuse a person the right to vote if that person is legally entitled to vote. No voter shall be threatened, intimidated, or paid to vote 
by any person. And voters whose names do not appear on the poll book or who do not have an acceptable form of photo ID are entitled to vote by affidavit ballot. You will then have five business days after Election Day to present a photo ID at the circuit clerk's office. Professor Gershon, I think a lot of folks are forgetting this five business day rule. They are. And, uh, and I do think, you know, um, it's the, the state uh, with the voter ID laws try to make it easy for people to get IDs by having uh, freely available IDs. But, you know, if you don't have one, uh, you can still vote. And it's called, it's called a provisional ballot. And then you have that time to substantiate that you, in fact, uh, do have the right to vote. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I am a big advocate, though, that we, we really should allow early voting. I'm not sure why we have this one day where people are going to have to line up, miss some work, and things like that. It should be, you know, we have a period of time to turn our taxes in, right? We have till April 15th. That doesn't mean everybody sends them on April 15th. You can do them early. I, I'm not sure why we can't do the same thing with voting and have, like, a voting season that opens at a certain time. Go to the county, uh, the circuit court, I should say, and vote. And, and then I think you know, it would be easier for everyone. And, and we would, it would be secure because the circuit court's office does a great job with that. So that's just me. Well, and if folks want that, all they have to do is contact their uh, local representative or senator in Mississippi and tell them that's what you want. And they're supposed to be the representatives of the people to make the laws for us. So let your voice be known by email or on the telephone. Speaking of telephones, we have quite a lot of calls that we can't wait to hear their lovely stories that are uh, uh, may not be lovely, may be sad, may be happy, but we hope we don't we don't want to cause any trouble today. Let's go with Larry from Hazelhurst. Larry, we're so glad that you've called into in legal terms today. Uh, what's on your mind? Well, I'm 83, so my memory for date is not real good, but I had left the poll in 64 or 62, and before I got home there, Walter Cronkite, was an, or Edward R. Murrow, was announcing who the winner was, so my vote hadn't counted. Uh, of course, he was. they were just taking some polls, I guess, or it was from Florida to New York. They had enough votes. So uh, I know right now, uh, if we didn't have the Electoral College, Florida to New York to Chicago would determine the vote. Mine wouldn't count because they have the population. Uh, you know, if it was just on popula- just on the votes and not on the Electoral College. Electoral College was formed for a reason. So that's all I got to say. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. We we yeah. appreciate that. Uh, you know, Professor Gershon, I've I've seen it both ways. You know, I've seen the picture of the map of the United States, and they show, you know, California, New York, Chicago, and they say, are you going to let just this whatever small percentage determine your vote? But then other people comment, well, land doesn't vote. So, the, but the yeah, the Electoral College, do you want to talk about that for a moment? 
Sure. You know, it's, I, I think the arguments are both ways. I mean, if we look at the last uh, presidential election, the popular vote went one way, and that's not unusual these days. I mean, it's happened several times where the popular vote uh, went to the candidate that did not win, and the Electoral College vote went to the candidate that did. So one people would argue the other way that, hey, my vote in a state that doesn't vote the same way as me doesn't count because, you know, those votes from my state all go for one candidate. Some states like Maine and Nebraska split their votes, so they actually can split their electoral votes. That's one way to do it. But, you know, there, there are arguments on both sides. I think, you know, with uh, with technology, uh, the, the old thing was, well, then the candidates wouldn't have to campaign in smaller states because, you know, they wouldn't be as relevant. But, you know, now campaigns are pretty much nationally done uh, via technology anyway through social media sometimes. Uh, so I don't know. I think there are arguments both ways. I, I would— uh, I, I have my own opinion, and that's all it is. But, you know, I kind of feel like um, maybe the majority of people voting should be the ones who decide. Well, and the presidential election is not the only issue on the ballot. So your vote does cast. You know, Alvin was telling us about Forest County was going to vote on a statue. That might come down to one vote. So one vote can make a difference. Let's go to Jeremy, who has called in from Beaumont. Jeremy, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms today. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, I was wondering what sort of questions uh, you're allowed to be asked when you're going to vote. I, I went to go vote this morning, and uh, I could not get the card to vote until uh, I told them my party affiliation. Ooh. And that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. Professor Gershon, what do you know about that? You know, that sounds like what a question they should ask you at a primary, if you're going to vote in the Democratic primary or the Republican primary, I, I, because, you know, that's not what took place this time. You know, it, I, I think uh, I'm kind of surprised they would ask that question. And a lot of the things like uh, the Supreme Court elections are nonpartisan. So, uh, you know, that, I'm, I'm really I'm surprised by that question, actually. I am, too. You know, uh, I, I was discussing with uh, off air uh, my producer, uh, Jay. We, we did mention that in the primary, if you vote in the Republican primary and then there's a runoff, you can only vote in the runoff if you voted in the in that party's first primary but uh you know if you're interested jerry there is a phone number jeremy uh, jeremy 866 our vote you can also call your circuit clerk if you have a question about that you've you've got us stumped on that one but they can't refuse you a, a ballot if you if you i told them uh you know i thought it was a secret ballot and they said well you have to choose now I that was under the I was given the impression that I couldn't get the card unless I revealed that, and uh, it didn't seem right. And I just wanted to kind of put that out there and find out if that is okay for them to ask. No, I, don't I, think I, will, it is. I will definitely call. I'll follow up. Yeah, on I that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, please do because I, I, I. Thank you, thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, we we want you uh, we want you to do that because I yeah I don't I don't think that one's right. Let's take uh, one more call before our break. Let's go to Ron in Oxford. Ron, thanks so much for calling in today. What's your comment or question? Good morning. Well, it is a comment, and it's a family story. 
So my husband's family in Alabama, his, his grandmother, Joe's grandmother, uh, uh, Bernice Summers Osgood, read for the bar before she actually had the vote. And in fact, she was the first female assistant uh, to the attorney general in Alabama before she had the vote. So with suffrage, she was first one in line in Dallas County, Alabama, which is Selma is county seat. She paid her poll tax and was the first female in the family line to have cast her vote. So today, as Joe and I voted, we were celebrating her and all the women of this country who are voting. Awesome. Love that. Awesome. Yes, my my grandmother was uh, the second woman admitted to the bar in Arkansas, and her bar initiation card certificate, whatever it is, is six months before the vote. So uh, it is kind of funny how that happens. But thank you so much for sharing that story with us, Ron. Um, one other thing we want to remind folks that when you go to the polls, rules prevent people from wearing campaign-related clothes or caps in the polling place, and people campaigning for a person or issue on the ballot must remain 150 feet from the polling place. The rule applies only to signage or cloning clothing pertaining to anything that is on the ballot, but would not prohibit other messaging not directly up for a vote. So our Secretary of State Watson says if you are wearing a MAGA or a Biden hat, you cannot wear that into the polls. But if you're wearing a Black Lives Matter T-shirt, that is permitted. So we have our full bank of calls, but we'd love for you to send us an email. We're going to talk a little bit more about what your uh, rights are at the polls, and we're going to tell you some more next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. 
It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Voters who require assistance in marking the ballot because of disability, blindness, or an inability to read or write are entitled to receive assistance from a person of the voter's choice, excluding a candidate whose name is written on the ballot or a poll watcher who observing in the polling place on Election Day. And, Professor Gershon, this year, because of COVID, uh, Secretary Watson is allowing people to vote from their cars, but I wonder how how that works. How do you let the poll worker know you're sitting out in the car, especially if there's a great big long line? Do you have any information on how that works? I, I don't have information. I do know that they are saying that if you have COVID symptoms, that you can, in fact, uh, uh, drive up and, and vote. And I imagine that probably at the polls, they have places that say, you know, that have people pull in. It's a first for everyone. I think it's the first time uh, any of us have had this voting uh, issue in a pandemic. And so we're all just trying to make this work the best we can. Uh, and uh, and I think that, you know, I think there's got to be a way to alert someone, but I have no idea what that might be. Well, uh, we'll have to see. We've got three calls to get to before the end of the show. Let's go to Weston, who's calling from Pontotoc. Thanks for calling in to the show today, Weston. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for uh, having my call. Um, before I start, I just wanted to say I wanted to, to thank the callers that are that are talking about their experiences today, specifically pointing out Jeremy, because what you talked about was a little suspicious. And in our current climate, we I think it's important that we all just try our best to make sure that our voting system is as accurate and honest as possible. So I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for, for bringing that to everybody's attention, what's going on there. Um, second, so today the voting process was surprisingly easy where I'm at in Pontotoc. I saw the same poll workers I see every time I go vote. Uh, so for anybody that's scared to get out, you know, if you're in rural Mississippi, there's a really good chance there's not much different except for please wear a mask. And then third, um, I've heard a lot of talk about our state flag and the medical marijuana bill on the ballot, but there's something else that's uh, that's going on that kind of surprised me when I got there, because I haven't heard a lot of talk about it, and that is this uh, election reform for statewide uh, gubernatorial elections in the state of Mississippi, and I wanted to get Professor Gerson's explanation for voters that are going in there, so they're not surprised by this, uh, I think it's ballot measure too to change from, I think, uh, I think our current system is we have to win each individual district for a statewide uh, elect, elected official, and it would be to a statewide popular vote, if, if I'm understanding that correctly, uh, Professor that, You are absolutely understanding that correctly, and I'm glad you brought that up. It really is. Um, I think this is a bipartisan effort to get that, that uh, law changed. That was a post-Reconstruction law that was really designed, I think, in some ways, to suppress uh, the, the minority uh, vote to, uh, and to make it harder to, to, to have an election based on, uh, you know, a strong minority turnout. Uh, and, you know, this way it would be popular vote. It would not be uh, based on districts at all. And, uh, and so, you know, I think that's, that is why that initiative is on there. I, Lieutenant Governor uh, Delbert Hoseman led, uh, led the charge to get that on the ballot as well. Uh, uh, and uh, so I do think it is coming from both, both parties. 
Thanks so much for being on the show, Weston. Let's go to Chico in Oxford. Chico, what you got for us today? Thanks for being on in legal terms. Good morning. I got two quickies for y'all. In, uh, on Election Day in 1972, I was 11 years old and a fifth grader at Morville Attendance Center in Morville, Mississippi. And the gymnasium was a polling place. And I have a very clear memory of standing outside the door during recess and lunch and telling the old people going inside to vote to not vote for Nixon. Okay. (laughs) An 11-year-old with an opinion. I look look back on that moment in my life with great pride. Um, (laughs) My second second story is this illustrates Ron Ron from Oxford calling in reminded me of Ron. Ronzo Shapiro of Oxford, and this story illustrates how he was cooler than me. 44 years ago, early this morning, John Chancellor announced that Mississippi had gone for Jimmy Carter, and that put him over 270 votes. I remember that clearly and loved it because I wasn't old enough to vote for Carter, but I did campaign for him in 76. And later that day, outside Duty's Diner in Tupelo, I took a Jimmy Carter for President poster down off a uh, utility pole. You remember those green and white posters? And I still have that poster today. And nine years later, in 1985, when I was finally a freshman at Ole Miss, I was proud of myself for having that Jimmy Carter poster for nine years. And I walked into the Hoka, which, of course, was owned by Ronzo, and I saw on the wall that he also had one of the green and white Jimmy Carter for president 1976 posters. But he had taken it down off a pole in Lafayette, Louisiana, and it was in French. Oh. <laughs> and that shows why he's cooler than me. God bless y'all, and thank you. Thanks, yeah. Chico. That is yes, interesting. Okay. Yeah, well, I, we, I miss Ron Shapiro really badly. I, he, was, he, he made Oxford really uh, the part. He was one of the reasons Oxford's such a special place, and we lost him, and I was sorry that, uh, not to have Ron and his, his great sense of humor and his great compassion for human beings. And I have to say, to add to that story, my first election, I'm, I'm from Georgia. My driver's license, Jimmy Carter was governor of Georgia, the first driver's license I ever had, was signed by Jimmy Carter. I still have it. And, um, and uh, you know, uh, that was my very first election. I got to vote for who would then be President Carter. So. Oh, that's, <laughs> that is a fun one. Let's take one more call. Let's go to Lewis in Brookhaven. Lewis, thanks so much for calling into legal terms today. Go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, first off, we got, uh, I got run across some people, young people that uh, can't month they qualify as a vote. And on their voting registration card, they told them they need to place the vote with Mamie Martin School. That precinct been closed for six years, and they just, you know, doesn't register. So they had a lot of them confused about where they need to go. And uh, people also been uh, first off the list saying that uh, they first because they announced a grand jury subpoena. And in Lincoln County, the mail is bad about being misdelivered and everything because I take a lot of it back uh, to the post office and drop it off. And one other thing, how how can they prove that the uh, election uh fair when uh, they still use these old machines? They don't have a paper machine, nothing to bag it up. And you can just use the case in Georgia, uh, you know, because when you vote, you know, it's 
there's no way that really challenge up the vote after you take a pen, and they can be hacked. Professor Gershon, how what what do we do about places that don't have a paper trail? I think that's problematic. I think that's something again that the uh, there is a phone number at the Secretary of State's office um, that uh, you know, y'all vote. Uh, I think they need to hear about some of these these issues. You know, it's hard. Uh, our statewide elections, like the like the one today, you know, a lot of different polling places, and some are run really really well, and some probably are not. And we and the Secretary of State needs to know about some of these issues so that they can deal with them because we want everyone to have faith in the election system and I know I certainly want to have faith that it's going to be fair and that uh, that my vote will count and um, you know if we don't have that faith then that's you know that's not good for our democracy if you have a smartphone or if you have a dumb phone that's portable if you text the word polls p-o-l-l-s to 30 30330 it will text you back and then you can type in your address and it will tell you where to vote so if you need to double check on your polling place see if it's changed see if they moved it the number is 30330 you text the word polls p-o-o-l-s then it'll text you back for your address and you can find out if your polling place has changed well this has been such a lovely hour we appreciate all of our callers coming calling in thanks to uh, jay white thanks to java chapman but especially thanks for professor gershon who hosts from the university of mississippi school of law i'm liz gill and we hope you join us next tuesday for in legal terms on mpb think radio This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.